Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Dicker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And uh, I'm excited about today's guest. Lisa, who do we have? We have Anna O'Connor, who is the Senior Director of UCP of Central Florida. So I know a longtime colleague, friend that we know does amazing work um, in our uh, area's schools. So I'm going to let you take it away with the first question, Becky. Oh, I'd love to. And, uh, and just to expand a little bit, Lisa, um, UCP of Central Florida has uh, several charter schools that are largely inclusive, although they have a, a wide And they're public char charter schools, they're right? public charter yeah. schools uh, here in the Orlando area. And Anna has been with the agency from the start, and she's seen a lot of growth. So I'm looking forward, Anna, to your perspective. So my first, my first question, as you've watched programming grow, what changes in disability types or um, student characteristics are you seeing coming into schools over these last 10 years or so? Hi, thanks for having me. Um, you know, that's, that's a great question. And some, and I just had this conversation recently is, is it really a difference in disability type or is it our ability to be more scientific um, and meet students where they are differently. Um, and, and a really concrete example of that is there's a lot of talk and discussion and um, an increased rise in dyslexia. And really, um, it's a medical term. It's been a medical term in, you know, from the education perspective, and it was captured you know, for decades as specific learning disability. And, and really getting down to the science of reading and where are students and, and where are those gaps and, and how can we intervene um, to be the most um, effective is, is really where I see a huge um, change um, in needs and abilities um, for our teachers. I think um, the, the challenge is we have teachers who are coming out who have very different from prep programs or experiences who have very differing levels of training and experience related to types of disabilities and intervention needs. So we're continuously looking at our professional development and, and the growth needs um, for our, our schools and our, our teachers that are in our classrooms every day. That's really, that's a really interesting point, Anna, and it kind of reminds me, I might not have led with the idea of kids with different disabilities, you know, popping up, because, uh, yeah, like you, I share that idea of, yeah, we just meet every kid where they are. Um, mm. I know from working closely in, in some of your schools that behaviors continue to be uh, so that a was yeah. a challenge. Um, can you speak to that? What kind of behaviors yeah. are you seeing? Well, that was that was my next area <laughs> of um, <laughs> of growth. We'll call it between students that have been home um, due to COVID or have been in flexible models. We have seen um, this school year a, a very intense increase in in behaviors, and our um, hypothesis, you know, is the stress of what's going on day to day, um, the stress of, or the changes um, from COVID, you know, and, and where students were receiving their education and what types of platforms they were utilizing to being face-to-face. -face. And, you know, we have toddlers in our programs now 
who have been identified with disabilities and intervention needs who have not been around children yet in their lives, really. So you think about the social communication and developmental needs and, and the behaviors that come with that, even at our youngest age, ages. Then you look at students who may have made great gains and they're in second and third grade with autism and they were home for long extended periods of time. We're, we're facing very, very challenging situations to get them you know, reacclimated to routines and, and school-based um, expectations um, that have teachers um, really uh, learning, learning every day how <laughs> to respond, learning every day, and, and take care of you know the the instructional components of their job. Well, yeah, behavior that's interesting and not surprising to us. Uh, we both have been out in classrooms a lot, but you know, I'm gonna flip the script a little bit because one of the things that I think for our listeners is it's really hard to envision the beauty of what you do at UCP of Central Florida. And I really encourage our listeners, you all have some of the best YouTube. Like if you feel like a Kleenex moment, go out and watch some of those beautiful YouTube videos. Uh, I saw the one yesterday in a speech about the friends and I don't remember the two kids' names, but I literally left there and thought, okay, I, I do need a tissue now. So I, I want, Anna, if you could just share for a moment I know it seems foreign to you, but to our listeners, I mean, it seems normal to you, but to our listeners, it's a, somewhat of a foreign concept. Could you share with us kind of an image of what a day in the life of a teacher at UCP might look like? Just pick a classroom and kind of share with us, you know, who might be there. And you talked about behavior, dyslexia. It sounds like, you know, that might be sprinkled. That That's like like in every classroom, right? So could you kind of give us a vision of what maybe a, a traditional day in a classroom might look like? Yeah, um, well, <laughs> a, traditional, a traditional, the word traditional in any one of our classrooms is um, probably um, the least thought of word because, <laughs> you know, our teachers start by meeting kids at car doors because we have, you know, our students arrive by parents every day as schools of choice. Then they'll get to their classrooms and begin with announcements, you know, and things that are very, um, you know, commonly thought of in schools. But what you don't see is typically, you know, desk in rows or um, one teacher at the front of the classroom giving, you know, a whole group um, lesson. You'll see small groups right out of the gates doing different things kids individually maybe checking in with a behavior coach and um, a therapist coming in and, and jumping in during um, small group reading and running a whole rotation. Or in our pre-K classrooms, a therapist coming in and running circle time and the teacher you know, tagging out and learning from what that therapist is bringing to the table. You'll see kids moving around um, on different types of seating, um, you might see a kid under a desk and sometimes that's a behavior and sometimes that's where they work best. So it, it really just varies um, on age, on grade, on the, the level of expertise and comfort that the teacher has. And, and sometimes it's a science room and sometimes it's a social studies lesson through reading. You know, and those are common practices in, in all types of schools, but we'll have three or four staff in a room at a time and when I walk by, if I don't know all of the staff, I can't tell who the lead teacher is because everybody's providing support, education, and instruction, you know, all day long. 
um, all across the school campus. Yeah, and you don't have those self-contained places. You might have moments to help kids de-escalate or to get some intensive therapy. But again, for our listeners, I just want you to know that we're talking about a school that's got beautiful children that might have a walker, a wheelchair, uh, special seating, dyslexia, autism, and neurotypical students too. And I want to make sure people know that this is really a very, very inclusive school. And I, I'm going to add one last question for you. I know you're very proud of your high achievement gains. So I would just like to know not only is that what it looks like, but how have you been so successful in being at the top, you know, po- pre-pandemic, you all were one of the top literacy schools in the state. So what do you think the secret is in helping kids learn to read that really come from a very range of backgrounds? I'm going to discuss this through the lens of students that have come into our school that have been in other schools and I'll say, how's it going? And great. Do you miss your other school? No. Why? Because the teachers have time for me here and they make time and everyone wants to be here. And um, it really, that's the difference when you have such a, a passion commitment and people that choose this profession through the, the way that they do, you're, when you have that philosophical belief of inclusive practices, you get, you get to get to work faster and more thoroughly and more um, directly. So that's really how I, one of the main aspects of, of how I attribute our, our learning gain success. Thanks. And again, for our listeners, the, the schools in their, the primary school that, that we've been talking about is, is the Bales Community Academy, which uh, is, is the largest of, of your schools and arguably the most inclusive of your schools. And I know that it includes kids at all levels, gifted down to significant disabilities. So Anna, teaching, that, teaching in a classroom like that, I know is stressful for teachers and you know is stressful for teachers. So as a leader, my final question is, what can you do or what are you doing to support the teachers themselves. It's a stressful time. What what are you trying and, and working on? So we have really real conversations about what to share and what to shield teachers from. What can we take off of their plate? What can we ask them um, not to do in order to decrease the stress? And I think that's the number one thing is be cognizant of any time you ask a teacher to do any one more thing, it's just, that might be the one more thing that they're not ready for. Um, so be cognizant of what we ask them um, every step of the way. And, and number two, in education, we forget to celebrate. Um, so walking around and high, giving someone a high five and telling them, I'm so glad you're here today as a team member is the, the second thing that we all can do every single day. And, and the group that I'm the most worried about right now, honestly, in our profession are the principals. Principals are doing um, great, great work and problem solving at rates every single day that are just unbearable sometimes, whether it's social emotional needs, behavioral needs, um, making sure kids are fed and or getting counseling that's needed and getting to the instructional aspects. Our principals are, are really carrying the load and celebrating the miracles that I see them facilitate is, is just absolutely key. Well, and Anna, thanks. My last question for you is going to be, I think, a simple one, but you you have such a mindset there for 
meeting every kid where they are. What would you tell that teacher that maybe fears or it's their first experience with a wider range of learners in their classroom? What's, what's your first, like your one grain of wisdom that you might tell a new teacher in your building or, you know, uh, I'm just getting started and I'm like, I want to do this, but, but, I'm, I, but, I don't, but I'm not comfortable. I'm a little bit afraid. What's, what's your word of advice? To consider what do we have to lose? Let's try it. Maybe it will work and we'll look at the data and the evidence and maybe it won't and we'll shift and we'll try something else but we have nothing to lose, only, only to gain for, for the students and, and for the class. Um, nothing's off the table when it comes to what we might accomplish together. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for joining us. And um, please, listeners, if you have questions or we encourage you to go visit UCP of Central Florida's uh, vast YouTube videos, but do grab some Kleenexes. And Anna, thank you for your leadership and joining us today.